Eye on 2020, episode 182, The Debate Show. Have 2020 vision with Ion 2020, your source for the news and events in the lead up to the 2020 presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date daily until November 2020 with a libertarian perspective on the candidates and their policies, along with the news. Thank you for joining me. Now let's clear our vision. What's up, everybody? Ray Eaton here, your host of Ion 2020 bringing you the debate show. I just got done watching the debate and I just wanted to bring all the news and related events that are going on with this election to you. And one of the things I do is cover all the debates every single time in order to make sure that you guys are aware of what happens. So I'm going to be putting this thing out. First thing, you'll be able to listen to it in the morning time. I'm putting it out right now. It's about 1130 or so. And I just want to make sure that you guys are ready tomorrow when your friends are talking about you can have that libertarian perspective on this debate and what was going on. So let me go ahead and jump right into it. But first, if you can, go ahead and subscribe to the show so you can hear the show tomorrow. Actually, you'll be hearing it on Monday because you'll be listening to the show. This show will be for Friday and then the next show will be on Monday. So go ahead and subscribe to the show. You can listen to the Monday show. Then you can also uh, go ahead and uh, listen to the shows before this one as well. This is the debate show, though. I do have 181 shows previous to this one. This is 182, all right? And uh, and then if you'd like to, you can go to give me a five-star rating and review if you really like what you hear. That's always something that I appreciate. And then iintheempire.com is my website if you want to follow me there. That is not only political stuff, but it's also uh, foreign policy stuff as well that I cover there. And uh, I'll be posting, I always post like news articles and stuff that I find about foreign policy issues. And then the last thing is uh, check me out at I and the Empire on Facebook and on Twitter. And then Ray at I on the Empire is where you can email me if you ever want to talk about your story, tell me what you're doing for the libertarian movement, or just, you know, drop me a few lines. I don't care. Go ahead and do that. And then the other thing is this, guys. If you guys want to support the show, you can do that as well. I have a way for you to do that. That is at anchor.fm slash ion2020. And there you'll be able to click on a little button to support the show with a $1.99, a $4.99, and a... 9.99 support level. So go ahead and check that if you want. All right, and then let me go ahead and jump into the debate and my my views on the debate because it was an interesting night. I about stabbed my eyes out. I can tell you that. I say that every single time. Um, can't stand listening to a bunch of politicians talk about what they're going to promise people and what they think they're going to be able to do for the world and all that stuff because they think that they know things that are so much better than everybody else that they have all the answers to every single problem of life and that is more government, more bureaucracy, more control over your life and your finances and everything else. So that seems like the answer to all their questions, but hey, let's go ahead and jump into this thing really fast, all right? I did survive it. I made sure I drank a few beers while I was doing it as well. And uh, that helped me helped me to take a little of the edge off, man, because this thing was rough. It really was. So, uh, But I do this for you guys, so you don't have to listen to the debates, all right? So you don't have to watch the debates. I'm here doing it for you. So uh, go ahead and enjoy the show, though, all right? And uh, let me go jump right into what they were talking about during the debates. So did I ever tell you guys that when I do these debates, I actually have to uh, leave my house? I... I, I usually do an overnight for work on the nights of the debates so that my wife doesn't have to deal with me watching the debates because she can't stand politicians as it is. So 
my uh, plan had been from the beginning, and not not for every debate, because there was a couple of those that were two nights in a row. So I'd, I'd do one night overnight, and then I would do the next night at my house, and I would just watch the debates in another room or something like that. And then from there, I would uh, do the show right afterwards as well and do all the editing and stuff like that. But my plan has been to try to do overnights for work and stay in a hotel when I'm doing these debates because she just can't stand listening to the debate. She doesn't like the idea of even having to deal with listening to a bunch of politicians in the first place. And I understand that. I mean, it's painful. I, you have to grab a couple of beers, first of all. So here's, the, here's what you have to do if you want to watch a Democratic debate, okay? I'm going to give you the secret. Grab yourself some beers. You might want to get some stronger IPAs or something like that, right? Um, maybe even some Scotch whiskey. That would be well. I know the Lions Liberty. They do like some kind of drinking thing whenever they're doing, whenever they're doing the debates. So they do like a episode afterwards where it's like a libertarian in the living rooms drinking li- liquor format. And uh, yeah, so they're doing it the right way. So follow their lead. Follow my lead. Drink a few beers. You know, get yourself relaxed. Um, don't get drunk though, because then you'll start screaming and cursing at the, at the uh, TV and that's not good. So, uh, and then from there and get out, get out of your house. If you can go stay in a hotel room. So your wife and your kids and your family, they don't have to listen to you screaming at the TV. Uh, they don't have to, you know, deal with your anger because of all this stuff. Cause especially if you're a libertarian, I mean, it's terrible. Listen to these debates. All I heard tonight was just lots and lots of pandering to every single progressive issue that they could possibly pander to so so the secret is get out of your house go find a hotel room watch the debates but you got to drink some too you got to drink quite a bit and then uh at that point it makes it just tolerable enough for you to not poke your eyes out and stab your ears and and just scream at the tv just tolerable enough okay you might even laugh at all the things that they're proposing because at one point I was listening to the debate and uh, they were just putting so many, like one person had, I think it was Elizabeth Warren, she had so many issues that she was going to do and she says it was all going to be from this wealth tax that she's going to have on the top, like top 1%, or not the 1%, sorry, the top 0.001% of people on this wealth tax of like a billion dollars or $50 million or more or something like that. Where she's going to take two percent of everybody's wealth over fifty billion dollars or fifty million dollars, and her that was her wealth tax, right? And she went through just a a plethora of things that she was going to give away with that, with like free uh, free child care for kids zero to five. It was going to pay for teachers' salaries to go up to sixty thousand dollars a year, and then on top of that, they're going to pay for all the education for everybody. And then she just went on and on about more and more stuff that she was going to give away. So it's just like all this pandering makes you want to makes you just want to turn the TV off and and stop watching. But this is what we're going to be getting at, guys. This is what this is where the world is going towards. This is what the politicians continue to promise because that's the world that we live in now that people are accepting of those things or people have just checked out and they're not listening at all they're just going with the flow so this is the debates though i just want to i'm going to bring you guys my goal is always bring you as much about the debate as i possibly can so let me give you my thoughts overall first with the debate okay they kind of did not give a lot of speaking time to... At the beginning, they gave more speaking time to like Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders. 
But a lot of the t- speaking time went evenly across the board, it seems like to me. And I'd like to see the numbers whenever they come out on who got the most time and so forth. Um, but it doesn't seem like, to me, it doesn't seem like Joe Biden hurt himself. And he is the front runner. Elizabeth Warren, on the other hand, I don't think that she hurt herself either. Because when you listen to her talk, um, she she didn't get a lot of speaking time, first of all. And... So between the two of them, they didn't hurt themselves. Bernie Sanders also, I think, I think the, the, the front runners, they kind of came out unscathed, right? Now, Julian Castro did attack Joe Biden at one point, though, whenever Joe Biden was said something, and then Julian Castro brings up, it was something to do with health care, and uh, Julian Castro said something about what Joe Biden says, and then Joe Biden says, I didn't say that. Then Julian Castro came out and says, you just said it two minutes ago. What? You don't remember what you said two minutes ago? I mean, this guy doesn't even remember what he says two minutes ago. And he said that to him, and a lot of people start laughing and everything. Um, And the idea is that it's going along with the whole media saying that Joe Biden is, like, forgetful that he's not on top of his game, that he might be getting senile or Alzheimer's or something. Um, that might have hurt him. I don't know. But I don't know if it hurt Joe Biden or if it hurt Julian Castro because to me it seemed seemed very condescending. And then also the very next statement that was said was Pete Buttigieg who says, this is exactly why people don't want to watch these debates. This is exactly why people tune out politicians is because of all this arguing and bickering that goes on. So, to me, when, it, when I'm watching the debates, I was just thinking to myself, yeah, Joe Biden did not hurt himself. Elizabeth Warren doesn't seem like she hurt herself either. Uh, Kamala Harris, though, she's one of the front runners, right? She's getting 5, 6, 7% of the vote, sometimes 8% of the vote. She seemed like she had no energy whatsoever. Yeah, she, she would talk and she would do the normal stuff that she does, uh, but like she doesn't talk with a lot of charisma. She doesn't talk. She's very monotone when she speaks, and it's kind of hard to listen to her talk because she's she. To be honest with you, she seems like she's sedated. She seems like she's on some kind of um, some kind of drug that kind of evens her out or something. I don't know. Like doesn't maybe she maybe she has bipolar syndrome or something like that. She's on some kind of medication. I don't know. She seemed medicated to me, and uh, that was just my feeling when she talks. She's just very monotone. She doesn't get very excited about things. Um, there was a f- once or twice that she might have got a little bit excited, but that was about it. Um, she always goes over when she was talking. She never stops when they tell her to talk. She'll always go over like double her amount of time, and they never really stop her on it either, which is kind of weird. So um, but that was my feelings on her. Pete Buttigieg, I don't feel like he he gave all the right answers per se. He really did. He seemed like he was... Well, he's very well-versed in what he needs to say. He's very well-scripted, and I've always said that about him. He has really good people behind him, I'm sure, that are getting him ready for the big time. But he didn't win the debate by any means. He didn't even come in the top five or... Top four or five, in my opinion, because his answers were very scripted, and they were also where he didn't come off as like the person that was going to be an aggressive president. And I think that that's what people are going to want, is someone that's going to be a little bit more of an aggressive president. 
Cory Booker, on the other hand, he's getting like one, two, three percent of the vote. I think that he did reasonably well, and he's has the right solutions to problems in people's minds. I think like he seems very reasonable. He's for like a middle ground on a lot of things as well. A lot of these candidates are were on the very left, and now they're kind of rushing towards the middle because they they feel like that's what the voter wants. Joe Biden continues to lead the pack because he's closer to the closer to the center than all these other people that are far left so they're all kind of rushing that way as well um but cory booker he seemed like he was the one that had a lot of the most like the best answers on stage in my opinion now i'm saying this from a standpoint of not being a libertarian just being like a casual viewer if that was me right then you would look at Cory Booker and say, yeah, he had the best command of this, like he had good command of the stage, in my opinion. Andrew Yang, Andrew Yang, he, he, every question that he was asked, he did not answer it in a very politician-y type of way. Like a, like the way that a politician would answer it is um, kind of dodge the question, not really answer it, say a few things, but not get to specifics. Like Andrew Yang had some really interesting answers that were outside of the box. And, uh, I think that it'll, it's going to help him out because he's speaking to people. Like when, when you listen to him speak, he's not the person that you always expect something at this point to be a little bit different and outside of the box. And he was, a lot of his answers were very much outside of the box, which, um, I thought was interesting to listen to. Not that I agree with all of his stuff that he was saying at all. Like he has a lot of things that are, you know, very left wing. He's he agrees with all these people on their left wingish on their left wing agendas as well. So I'm not going to say that I agree with him. I just think that he did stand out in that way because of that. Amy Klobuchar is the next person that I was. I mean, when you're watching her. She seems like a senator. Like, she doesn't seem presidential at all when you listen to her speak. Uh, she didn't get a lot of speaking time on the stage either, probably because she's not a front runner. Um, I don't think that she is going to benefit from the debate of only 10 people. Like, I think that she's one of the ones that was kind of falling in the polls already anyway, and she'll probably continue to slide in the polls because of that. And then... um who else? So we got, oh, and Julian Castro. He seemed very condescending to me. That was all I really got from him. Um, he, there was multiple times where he would kind of just like call out Joe Biden for like little petty things. And uh, it just seemed pretty condescending. But you know what? I said this last time I, during the debate and I say it again. He was just really, his goal is to try to get some kind of cabinet position, I'm sure. So... Uh, but that, that's a kind of an overview of each of those candidates on my immediate perception of them, okay? So, the first topic that they jumped into... Oh, that's right. So, um, let me get into what their what each of their opening statements were. Now, I was doing some work before the debates, and I missed like the first two minutes or two or three minutes or so. So, I did not get to see Julian Castro's opening remarks. I'm sorry. I was... Uh, I, in my job, I end up going to like a lot of auto auctions and stuff. And one of the things I was doing tonight was, um, I went to an auto auction and then I was on my way back to the hotel and I had to get gas. I had to get food 
and clearly I needed to get beer because uh, I needed to be able to survive the debates, right? So I can't, I can't drink on an empty stomach. So I had to get food and I had to get gas back to the room. So I ended up getting back to the room like a minute, a minute or two after the debates were over. So I apologize that I did not get to see his opening remarks, but probably unimpressive anyway. Uh, most of their remarks were very un, unimpressive. So Amy Klobuchar. Uh, She was the first one that I heard, and she says, I don't want to be president of half of America, but all of America, we're going to bring you guys together, blah, blah, blah. Um, They all say that, right? That's pretty much a presidential thing, or a a presidential candidate type thing to say. Beto and his, is uh, I wrote down, insufficient, we have insufficient, or our politics is insufficient to deal with the problems that we face right now. Um, I don't know what he was trying to get at with that. It's, does that mean he's going to use more executive orders or something? I'm not sure. Um, trying to talk about bringing people together, but I've always said this. The very fact that they're Democrats is a fact that they're not going to be able to bring people together because the other side is Republicans, and they're always going to be fighting, right? And that's just the way they are. So um, Cory Booker, he immediately jumps into like trying to build like that street cred thing that he does with how he lived in the inner city. And he didn't grow up in the inner city. He actually moved to the inner city to become like an attorney down there or something like that. So he kind of followed the whole Barack Obama MO of uh, going to the city to kind of become like a community activist type thing. And that's what he did. Uh, he says there are differ- differences among us Democrats are not as strong as the sense of urgency to beat Trump. I guess that's true for all of them. He's trying to seem like the reasonable guy in the group. And he says he's going to lead us to that, you know, beating of Trump or some junk like that. Um, then Andrew Yang, he says, everything in politics revolves around the mighty dollar, which is true. I've always said that as well. Like corporations and everybody, like our demo- our politicians and our political leaders, they do respond to incentives, which is money and getting elected and getting, you know, the, the right donations to their campaign, right? Uh, he wants everyone, he says, we are the owners and shareholders of our democracy. I'm not sure if he understands the fact that there's like private, there's private businesses and there's like private entities and public entities, I guess. Um, and that the public, that like the United States government does not have like the constitutional authority to like, you know, get involved in so many of the things that it does in the first place. So, uh, but he wants us to be shareholders of the democracy i guess and trust ourselves more than politicians although oh, that but that is the big point that he made and this is probably like the thing that is going to get the most news coverage i haven't watched the news since i stopped watching the debate so let me say it um he gave out the freedom dividend to 10 people and everyone on the stage was kind of like laughing he says i'm going to give 10 lucky Americans, or I don't know if he said that, but he basically was going to give out the freedom dividend to 10 different people. My campaign will give the freedom dividend to 10 people that are watching tonight or something like that. So go to andrewyang.com and blah, 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 blah. Like he just basically um, gave out a, gave it a sweepstakes on, on TV, <laughs> a sweepstakes pretty much right into the campaign now. So everyone was laughing. They said, well, it was original. That's what people Buttigieg says, which it's totally true. But he was paying people. I mean, he was basically giving people twelve thousand times. So one hundred and twenty thousand dollars is going to be given out over the next year to his constituents, um, people that go online to look at his stuff. So hey, if you haven't gone online yet to Andrew Yang's website, go ahead and sign up for that peace dividend. All right, maybe I will too. 
It's not coming from the taxpayer, though, so that's a good thing. That's a good thing, so I should sign up for it. Um, Pete Buttigieg, he said something to the effect of uh, they seem more about the fight than the us, and uh, so that's how the politicians in Washington, they seem more about the fight among each other than the us is what they got elected for. And then September 12th, uh, if we came together we, we did, in September 12th, we could have so much unity in this country, and that's true. We did come together in a, as a country in September 12th. Like We were bound together in our fight against terror. Like Everyone had their American flags up after September 12th. That's amazing. It's true, right? And what did that lead to us? What did that do? That t- had the government literally come in there and write the Patriot Act, which took away so many freedoms from Americans, that gave the government so much authority to spy on Americans, right? And then we also... We're willing to give up the authorization for the use of force, which has been totally used outside of the bounds that it should have been used for. Now we're 18 years in Afghanistan. So when Americans united like that, the government will overreach. But Buttigieg wants Americans to be united like that again. I I just don't see that because you're going to have overreach. And you better hope that you have somebody that's benevolent in the Congress and in, or in the presidency in order to not overreach, right? You better have someone that's wise that will not overreach. But um, if you do give the government that much power, it will overreach every single time, no matter what. That is because power corrupts. That's just the way it is. Harris, she seems mean, man. I listen to her speak. Like, like I said, she doesn't seem like she has a lot of energy whatsoever. But then she got into speaking directly to Donald Trump. She says... Donald Trump, if you're watching, which I know you are, then get this. And he says, Americans are better than this, and I plan to focus on common goals and all that. And then she said the most cheesy thing of the debate. She says, now go back to watching Fox News. It's kind of funny, but very cheesy also. I mean, she's just trying to get a a clip on TV, though. You know, she's trying to make the sound bites. That's what they're all trying to do. Bernie Sanders, we must defeat Trump. You know what he said. I don't even know what to say. You guys know what he said. He says the same thing. Every single time, no matter what, we need to Medicare for all, minimum wage in the richest country in the world. Um, it's it's a tragedy that we have people that are making less than minimum wage, people that are starving the streets, and the world's coming to an end. And all that stuff, right? You know what Sanders says. And then Warren talked about her life in Oklahoma, and she grew up, and uh, her father was a poor guy, and they were worked so hard to become middle class, and all that. And uh, now it's so hard for people to become middle class and families can't afford stuff and I'll lead the fight so we can fix it. Basically, that's what she says. You guys know how she is as well. And then Joe Biden. I refuse to postpone cures for cancer and climate change and refuse to postpone all this stuff. That was his kind of message. Um, He's going to refuse to postpone all this stuff. We're going to do it now. We're going to do it for America and all that. Right? It's time to take up these challenges. So very uninspiring. That's true. I agree, but hey, that's why I watch this stuff, man, so that you guys don't have to, right? Because it was just rough, man. But I just thought it was so funny. So Andrew Yang won the day, though, with his ten, with his giving out 10 people in America a 1000 bucks. Like, I guarantee you that that's going to help him to get more people to his website, I'm sure. And uh, hey, even I might go to the website and sign up, because I'll take a 1000 bucks a month. Hell, that would be great. 
I just don't want the government to confiscate your money to give it to me. So, because uh, I think that that is wrong, and I don't think that this country needs something like that in the first place. The topics that they covered, Medicare for all, that was the first topic. Nothing too outside the box there. We kind of got to see where Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders stood on those issues right off the bat. They really grilled Bernie Sanders on it, though, because he's the... F- him and Warren are the furthest left on that, but it became Bernie Sanders' fight because he's the one that came up with these ideas, right? He's the kind of thought leader on these ideas of the Medicare for all thing. So Elizabeth Warren got to kind of stand out and not get beat up where everyone started being up on Bernie Sanders for being too far left on the issue. Um, I even made a note and said that for the first hour, like 10 or 15 minutes or so, Elizabeth Warren didn't get any questions because it all went to Bernie Sanders and back and forth between him and Buttigieg, his and Warren, him and Harris, and so forth. They actually called Kamala Harris out on the fact that she is a flip-flopper on the Medicare for All issue, where she was for it, and she was for the idea of having Medicare for All forced upon everybody. Then she kind of backtracked and said, no, maybe it should be Medicare for some, Medicare for those that need it. Biden got a little bit beat up on it as well. But he did seem like the most reasonable one, which is uh, absolutely insane that I said that. But he did seem the most reasonable one. He wants to just kind of tinker around with Obamacare and make it so that if somebody loses their job, they're automatically enrolled in Medicare for all and all that stuff. So, uh, but if, if Joe Biden was the most reasonable, well, they're all bad in the first place. So he's like the most reasonable of all the bull crap out there. Um... Biden, though, called uh, Bernie Sanders a socialist. He literally called him a socialist. And then uh, and they were all attacking Bernie, man, but Biden went out and called him a socialist. That's crazy, right? Uh, no, he's not, because Bernie Sanders is a socialist. I would say that he's a communist, but uh, that's just me. But it's true. I mean, he believes that stuff in his heart as hearts, for sure. So, um, then... Medicare for all for Beto. He wants Medicare for all who can who can't afford it. I mean, all these people are the same. They all want Medicare for all in some way. Uh, there was a little bit of bickering back and forth, but all in all, they all want to try to figure out ways to make it so the government covers everybody in some ways. Um, Medicare for all, though. This is the notes that I thought about on this, right? Medicare, when it was passed in the 60s, it was just going to be for people that were 65 or over. And... Uh, this particular issue is a clear example of government um, expansion constantly, right? So it's always going to expand. As soon as, the, as soon as you set up some sort of government program, it's going to slowly expand further and further and further. That's what they're trying to do with Medicare. That's what they try to do with everything within the government because the government always wants to grow. That's just the nature of government. So... The politicians, it's kind of like the camel getting its foot in the door and then pushing its way through the entire, into the entire tent. Uh, that's what they're doing with Medicare. And um, it's just a pure example of government expanding beyond its original purpose. It's just the way that it has always been. Um, and then I also thought to myself about this, the debate. When you're listening to the debate, it seems like, like everyone's running from the left trying to get towards the middle except for Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. I thought that was interesting as well. Um, They did talk about racism. They talked about 
criminal justice reform, which most of them are okay on criminal justice reform, I think. I think everyone in the Democratic Party kind of realizes that um, criminals, like crimes, especially nonviolent crimes, like drug charges and things like that, um, you shouldn't be getting, you know, 30, 40, 50 years or life in prison for that kind of stuff, you know. I think they all understand that and they understand that the government is overreached on that way. Uh, which is good. I think that's that's a great thing that most of them are on board with that stuff. Um, they're all seem like they're ready to get rid of the war on drugs and stuff. Um, Joe Biden kind of most of them seem like they're looking to get rid of the war on drugs. But then Joe Biden, on the other hand, he says, "Well, we shouldn't be putting people in prison for drugs. We should put, be putting them in rehab." I don't think we should be putting them in rehab at all. I don't think the federal government should be putting people in rehab. Neither state governments should be putting people in rehab. Maybe it should be offered to them in some ways. But should you be arresting somebody for smoking pot? Why would you even be in the system in the first place? Every time a cop sees someone smoking pot, they're not going to arrest them. They're just going to take them to a rehabilitation facility. It still puts them into the system in some ways, and I think that's wrong. So Joe Biden's wrong on that issue. I think Cory Booker kind of won the night on that particular issue. He's great on criminal justice reform, which is good. They really got into the shootings in Texas as well, and the biggest point that was made during that, and I also made note at that point, at this point, Elizabeth Warren has had no questions for an hour, right, when they're talking about um, the shootings in Texas and all that. Beto O'Rourke, Beto O'Rourke, this is the big news of the night. Beto O'Rourke says, I am talking about taking away people's guns. Hell yes, we are going to take away their AR-15 so that they can't go out and shoot other Americans. And I was just thinking to myself, really? So he's going to go out and take people's guns no matter what because they, like, you're punishing people that have committed no crime whatsoever because of other people that have committed crimes. I just think that he is way off kilter on that. He's going to get beat up on that one, I'm sure, because that was the most unlibertarian statement of the night, I'm sure. I'm going to take... I'm going to take I'm talking about taking away people's guns. Yes, I am. Hell yes, he says. Hell yes, we're going to take their way their AR-15s. That was wrong. But um, all of them are on the same page with those things as well. But, 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 possibly the most libertarian statement of the night was sent during, said during this time as well when uh, they were talking about all these things. Joe Biden says... That it wasn't constitutional. That there, he says there's a constitution. There's a constitution that we have to worry about. And I was just thinking to myself, are you kidding me? I'm trying to find the exact statement that he says. Oh, okay, he says, let's be constitutional. Joe Biden actually said, he says, let's be constitutional. We have a constitution. And I was like, what? Did he just say that we have a constitution? I haven't heard a Democrat ever say that. So that was a good thing that he said that. Uh, I'm starting to like Joe Biden a little bit in the sense that at least he understands that there's a constitution they have to deal with. But none of these other people seem like they cared about the constitution, whatever. Especially Beto O'Rourke, who says that we are going to go in and take their AR-15s. That's amazing. That's amazing. But hey, that's where they're where they're at. Warren finally gets in after about an hour and 20 minutes or something like that. Um, so there she is. She gets in on the debate as well, but she didn't really have anything new to say on the mass shootings issue. Immigration, 
the only thing I got to, like, they started talking about immigration. They brought it back to um, Joe Biden, who defended Barack Obama's uh, history and his history in the Barack Obama administration at the time. But when they went down the line, it seemed like every single candidate was pretty much, in some ways, without saying it, for uh, open borders, right? And but they won't say it because it's very it would be very unpopular for them to say that, especially in like in in, in this day and age where there is a lot of division. Like a, a, a lot of um, Democrats might be for open borders in some ways. My personal feeling is that they should make it very 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 easy for someone to immigrate. And I think most of those people are on board with a similar program like that as well. Um, they all want to pander to the. The Hispanic vote, though, I think, and they're but so they're gonna kind of bounce around the issue quite a bit. It sounds like to me, the guy that was asking the questions though was totally, totally biased. Like, um, what was his name? Jorge. He was a Hispanic guy from uh, some Telemundo, maybe or something like that, and he was pretty damn biased when he was answering those questions. So, um. At this point, guys, in the show, there was no commercial for an hour and 20 minutes, and I was about to lose it, right? I was about to lose it, but luckily, luckily, I was able to crack my second beer at that point, and now that was a nice thing, to have that extra beer, because 120 minutes, or not 100, an hour and 20 minutes with no commercials, whew, just imagine, right? Do you feel sorry for me? Probably not, but, but that's what I had to deal with, so hour and 20 minutes no commercials i was about to lose my mind and then they come back on and i was like trade and tariffs woo i love trade and tariffs that's what they started talking about then and uh i was just thinking to myself at that point i was like thinking to myself i've heard all this stuff before they went through the same issues before they went through racism they went through trades and tariffs they went through immigration they went through the, sh- the mass shootings they went through racism they went through all this stuff right all the things that they talked about already they did it on the last two debates as well and i was thinking to myself at that point, i was like oh my gosh i still have an hour and a half left of this debate what am i gonna do what am i gonna do but they started talking about trade and tariffs and i was like all right well i'll just listen in you know i'll have to deal with that um Elizabeth Warren, she says that our trade policy is broken, you know, um, it's been broken forever, giant corporations control the tr- trade policy, and her idea is to get, whenever they're de- negotiating tariffs, whenever they're negotiating trade policy, she doesn't want to have corporations involved in those co- conversations, and politicians, she wants to have unions, and human rights activists, and farmers, and other lobbyists that are in Washington, all get involved in these trade talks as well why don't we just make it easy and just say hey free trade baby free trade we'll just trade with people we don't need anyone involved in it right because if you get all these other people involved in it all it does is makes it a political issue at that point and uh and it gets people to try to pay to play man you get more and more lobbyists up there trying to get their selves into those conversations as well why not just make it free trade? That's the easiest thing to do. That's the way that you can do it without having any force involved, okay? Sanders says something to the effect of uh, NAFTA costs this million, the, the, the country uh, 4 million new jobs went away, or 4 million jobs went away because of NAFTA. 
it was disastrous and all that. I'd love to see that fact-checked. But I'd also love to see how many jobs it's created since then. Because um, free trade, I mean, if you have trade between Mexico, America, United States, and Canada, and you have a, a way to make that happen, I mean, it's no difference than having free trade among all the states in America. Why not just make it free? Why not make it just easy? But I don't know if NAFTA made it completely free trade by any means, but um, I think it's a good thing to have more trade among these three countries. I can't imagine that made America lose 4 million jobs and not create twice that, I'm sure. Um, but who knows? I'd have to fact check, check it and see. I tried to fact check it real quick before I started recording, but I couldn't. Um, the amazing thing is, is I did not make foreign policy the last the last of the uh, of the debate topics, right? So people are still awake by that point when they started talking about foreign policy. It was like an hour and 45 minutes into this, into this show. So it was before the 10 o'clock hour and everything, I think. And it was like, they started talking about foreign policy. And I was like, whoa, really? Holy cow. They're going to start talking about foreign policy and they're going to talk about it in a good way, right? And it's right. So Elizabeth Warren, she is the only one that's like not being roundabout and saying that she wants to bring the troops home. She says unequivocally that she does want to bring the troops home. I don't know if that would actually happen under a Warren administration, but um, I certainly hope that would be the case. Buttigieg, Buttigieg, he kind of still thinks that people should stay there in some way. Um, That's what it sounded like to me. But he did say that, you know, if there's an authorization for the use of force, that needs to be voted on in Congress and all that. Well, that's what it says in the Constitution, Pete. So, uh, but they don't want to talk about the Constitution on these debate stages. Like I said, it was very surprising that Joe Biden brought that up. But he might be attacked for it, to be honest with you. Who knows? Biden even said that he wants to bring the troops home from Afghanistan. But he did seem like he wanted to keep some kind of presence there in like a anti or a counterterrorism strategy or something like that. So he's still an interventionist in some ways. Uh, Bernie Sanders was probably the best on the stage on this particular issue, along with Elizabeth Warren. Um, Bernie Sanders says that he voted against Iraq, and he's you know he's right on those. I, I think he's right on that foreign policy issue. He voted against all three of Trump's military budgets. Doesn't said we don't need to be spending seven hundred million dollars a year or seven hundred billion dollars a year on military. I can agree with that as well. And then he says, we need to have the world unite on climate change and terrorism. We need to bring the world together. And dropping bombs on Afghanistan and Iraq was not the way we, is not the way to do it. Which is actually absolutely true. Bernie's, you guys know how I feel about this. Bernie's terrible on everything economic, but when it comes to foreign policy, he seems like he's usually right on point. Um, which is good. Andrew Yang says that he wants to end the forever wars, and he's guaranteed, or he's like decided that he wants to make that happen. Um, the funny thing is, is when he's answering questions, I was looking at him. You're watching me. He looks like he there's like a person out in the audience holding up a sign, and he's like looking over there trying to read it. You know, it's it's funny to watch him when he's answering these questions. They also talked about Venezuela and stuff. Um, they asked if Bernie would call Maduro a dictator and. Bernie Sanders wouldn't really do it. I don't know if... I mean, he kind of sized up the question. And then Julian Castro says, I'll unequivocally call him a uh, a dictator and blah, blah, blah. And then Julian Castro says, we need to have a 21st century Marshall Plan. That's the idea that you're going to go in there and spend billions of dollars building up Venezuela and Nicaragua and a few of these other countries in Central America so they don't have the people coming to America to try to immigrate. Um... 
yeah, buddy, where are we going to get the money from? That's all I thought about that. And then uh, then they get into climate change and education and all that. Um, climate change, I kind of didn't take too many notes on that particular issue. You know what they all said. They all want to have you know, an end to using fossil fuels, and they want the government to kind of spe- spearhead this whole issue and make it happen. I don't think the government needs to get involved in that stuff, to be honest with you, but... Um, there needs, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm so torn on that particular issue because if the, it, we do in fact have a commons, which is all the air that we breathe, right? That's the international commons. That's every country just pours as much of their waste and CO2 and carbon and smoke into the atmosphere as long as, as well as nature. Nature does it too, right? So, um, at what point do you say that there needs to be some kind of ownership on that? And how do you manage ownership of that and stuff? That's something that needs to be debated and figured out. And everyone's putting their head in the sands and denying climate change or saying that it's going to happen and that, that the world's going to end in 10 years. Like those are two people on a very broad spectrum or very far spectrums of the debate where it needs to be a debate that says, how do you determine ownership of the air? around you I don't know if that's libertarian policy I have no idea um, but I know libertarians always say something to affect that um, if there is a commons you need to, to figure out some way to make ownership of it in order to get people to care about it in the first place so um, that's why I don't talk about climate change too much because I'm torn on the issue because there's there's two polarized sides and there's some pla- there's some truth somewhere in the middle there's got to be and uh, that's why uh, I don't talk about because I'm I'm not up on those issues at all. Uh, education, they talked about that a little bit as well. But then that's, that's kind of like the last topics that they had was education. Um, nobody really had anything interesting to say on education. Everyone was like, we need to pay teachers more and, you know, charter schools are bad and all that stuff. Yang is actually for charter schools. He had a... Um, probably the most interesting response on education, actually. And I... I like the way that he responds because he goes outside the box on all of his issues when he talks, right? And he said something effective like this. Let me try to get it out the best that I can. He said, he 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 sends his kids to public schools. He likes the idea of charter schools and everything else. But he says, we expect in America to send kids to school and have them all educated equally. But they're all coming from unequal situations at home, right, where there are determined, like, there's other determined factories that determine whether you're going to be well-educated or not. One of those is, like, if you live in a richer family or a family that has more wealth, you're going to hear 4,000 more words per day than a child that lives in a poor family. Um, You're going to be, you know, dealing with hungry bellies versus not hungry bellies and so forth right and there's lots of different contributing factors that help people to be educated better so you can't send one kid to one school who's gonna have a great education and send one kid to another school who's from a poor neighborhood and is poor and they're not going to get the same education because there's other contributing factors to besides who is a good teacher and who's not right um so that's what he said and i was like yeah that sounds reasonable um, how do you fix that? I don't know. I don't think the government needs to get involved in fixing that in the first place, but uh, we do have government schools, so somewhere there's there could be some kind of fixes there as well. Um, from a libertarian sp- standpoint, if you go to the libertarian utopia, 
everyone has private schools, but we don't live in that utopia, so we got to figure out what to do in the real world, right? Um, but yeah, he's the only one that really had anything outside the box to say about that. Everyone else was kind of like, um, you know, we need to put te- pay teachers more, we need to raise minimum wages, we need to raise, cancel student debt and all that stuff, you know? That's what they all kind of said, so... Um, and then the last thing I wrote, this is the last thing I wrote, was this. Julian Castro seems to me like a condescending jerk. Uh, not likable at all. But like I said, he's just trying to get a cabinet position. And that, my friends, is your third round of debates. So that's my debate show for you. I appreciate you listening to the show. I appreciate you listening to the show every single day as well. I've been doing this Monday through Friday for you for about the last, uh, nine months now, and I'll continue to do it through November 2020, five days a week. Um, I haven't missed a day yet. I've been really getting exhausted lately, though, with the show, but I'm going to get myself back in gear, get myself going into this thing, and get myself going for the next, you know, what is it, 14 more months, guys, and uh, and then if you guys keep coming back every single day, you'll have clear vision for 2020. Hey guys, I'm excited to announce the new podcast I'm coming out with called First Year in Sales with Ray Eaton. Now, if you're not a salesperson, then it might not be for you, but if you are a salesperson or if you know another salesperson, go ahead and direct them towards this show. It's going to be a show that is based upon helping somebody that's in their first year in sales or maybe even somebody that is in sales already and just wants to brush up on some of the sales skills that they need in order to be successful. I'm focusing on habits and also different parts of the sales process in order to help people to become more successful in their sales job. So like I said, if you know somebody that's in sales, or if you yourself are in sales, go ahead and check out this podcast. It's on all of your podcatchers, anything that you would listen to. And that is called First Year in Sales with Ray Ian.